one of those videos did not get media play. One of a clip of, of one of those videos did not get much media play. Um, and that not was of him. Yeah, of course, of course, right, it's not course a surprise. Not. This right. was a, a clip of uh, the, the guy's name, the terrorist's name is uh, Floyd Ray Roseberry. And he spoke in a desperate voice about healthcare denying him services. Um, he needed shots for his, his knees in order to help him walk. He's having difficulty or pain walking. His wife uh, has has skin cancer or had skin cancer and said they basically had to cut, chop her nose off. Um, those things were not covered by healthcare. And so out of desperation, he spoke about that on his way to uh, threaten at the Capitol. So uh, go ahead and play that call and then we'll discuss. You know, I went to the doctor yesterday. I was gonna get some of those cell therapy shots they've been bragging about giving to the athletes all these years. just so I'd be able to walk. I go in, get ready, the doctor says, oh, no shots today. Insurance don't cover it anymore. Really? My wife goes to the doctor. She's got cancer. And they told her it wouldn't cover it no more because it was cosmetic, it was on her face. Cosmetic hell, they had to take half her fucking nose off. Still going today, paying for it. Where's your insurance at? Biden. Obama. Where's your insurance at? So, uh, Lisa, what is your kind of take on that, on that video? Uh, in light of what happened, what he ended up doing, threatening the, the Capitol with a bomb, um, but also him talking about his health care needs. Hmm. So let's just be clear. What he was doing was the way that he was trying to get attention was obviously the wrong way to go about it, okay? But if you watch that and your heart does not break for the type of oppression and human rights violation, really, that he's going through with his knees. But let's talk about the fact that his wife has melanoma and they had to cut half her nose off and it wasn't covered. Right. You know, There are a lot of families out there that have stories like that and so much worse, okay? And I always tell people this, you think you've got great insurance. Until you have an emergency that has to do with something major, right. you don't know how good your insurance is. I promise you, because I build them all. Right. You don't know. Right. So wow. I think that that's the condition of the American people. Anybody who's been sick 
in this environment, you're paying 20% on average of your take-home income in America just to be insured for the year. Listen, when you start devaluing human life at a fundamental level of being able to be human and be ill and get taken care of, folks, it's fascism. And we got to stop pretending it's not. It's the ugliest, dirtiest word you can throw around, in my opinion, from a standpoint of what kind of regime we're living under. We're human beings. You start allowing human life to be devalued. We all are devalued. Some of us have experienced it on different levels for a really, really long damn time. But we can't walk in each other's shoes. All we can do is try to understand and learn and relate to one another and lift each other up because we're all going to go under if we don't do it. I think we are all at a place where, unless you're still asleep or cognitive dissonance is set in, we're running out of time. Yeah. It also speaks to the um, mental health illness, mental health problems that we're growing in this country right now, too. Um, so, so many of us need to someone to talk to, we need therapy. We all need therapy. Um, and um, the fact that the media didn't want to cover that because it's very, it's not because it's heartbreaking to watch, because it is, because a lot of Americans are about to pop right now. You know, they know that. And it's, mm-hmm. it, they don't. It, it, it's, it will start, for lack of better words, a revolution that I don't think the country's ready for. Um, a lot of a lot of Americans right now are very triggered. Um, I, when I was in D.C., there's so many homeless um, tent cities. Um, I'm, he- um, yeah. I'm here in Washington State. I'm staying in Tacoma. Uh, I got here in Seattle. There's so many um, tent cities here, too. Um, it broke my heart to be in downtown Seattle, just be really honest with you. There's like so many different, there's so many boarded up businesses, both in DC and in Seattle. And you see all the homeless people there. And these are not like homeless people that have been there for like 10 years. These are like newly evicted people. Um, and no one's covering it. No one's talking about it. New York too. I live in New York. You see some of that too. You got, you have like these, um, these um, food, these food, um, they have these um, box, they have these um, like refrigerators almost. Um, where like um, the community in Crown Heights is giving out food for people, and you can just go in and grab food. And you have so many, you have so much despair throughout the whole country. So that video is just echoing all the stuff I'm talking about. There's so many people on the brink of, like, I just want to be destructive because no one's listening to me. And we all know violence is the language of the unheard. And by not showing that video, you want more people to be unheard because you want more violence. You're just asking for that to happen because you're choosing not to listen to those folks. Um, in D.C., when we had the march, I did more listening to people's stories than the speeches because people was there venting their frustration about how they don't have health care. We have so many <clears throat> members in our coalition who are terminal. Some of, some of, my, um, some of our um, collaborators, we won't be able to, we won't see them anymore. We just won't. They're fighting like hell to make sure we get healthcare, they, and you know, we just don't have we don't have coverage for them. We can't afford it. Uh, I don't. I, but we I don't, can't afford it. We, we know. We all know we can right. afford it. Right. 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 
decouple right. healthcare coverage right. from your job. Right. Do you want, I see healthcare as the cornerstone, the keystone to all of it. You want to take take the silence, do you want to silence the lobbies on Capitol Hill that really run all of this? You do, you do universal healthcare coverage. You right. take the pharma lobby out, you take the insurance lobby down, you take you take the 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 hiding of the contaminants that are causing disease, you you take that out of the equation. Right. It is the key. No. I, I say that all the time too. The number one fight in this country is healthcare. Once once we once we get healthcare for every American, we can solve so many other social issues. Um it's very it's very simple. You know, everyone always mentioned France. Um they mentioned um about how you know they're ready to vest up. You know, we can't, we don't vest up here. You know what I mean? Um, they're battle tested in France. We, you don't have that mechanism here um, because we don't have a history of like fighting for our rights the way they do there. Um, but they also have their health care. They have, they have that. Safety net. They've and got they have a safety, safety net. net. They have that safety net. We need that here. And that's why we have so much pushback against not having health care here. That's my, that's my personal belief. I feel like once we get health care as a wrap, um, we can fight for so much more. Um, and watching that video again, just hearing about it again, it's really heartbreaking because that's just proving that, again, why we need to go to the UN. Because that would never happen if this man can just, him and his wife can get health care. That's not, that's, they're not going to spin that story. They're going to spin, oh, a terrorist tried to blow up something in D.C., but never mind the fact what caused that man to do that. You know, I'm not excusing his behavior because it's not right. But again, let's go back and see why this is why that happened. Because again, he he's screaming out for help and no one's listening to him. So you create your terrorists, don't you? Yep. That I mean, it is what it is. You got to be in a pretty damn desperate space. Because I asked her this question, I said a lot of people are turning away from electoral politics. What do you think? Um, about this. But I want to know what you guys think. And I, again, there are a lot of different opinions about this, about the role that electoral politics plays in Medicare for all versus or in addition to activism and direct action. Uh, even though I don't agree with electoral politics and the reason why I don't agree with it, because a lot of people feel that once that special someone they want to vote for gets in, all the problems are going to be solved. And that's not true. So in my mind, you need street heat and you need, and you need electoral solutions. And, but again, you don't need electoral solutions in the sense that you need to focus on the person you want to get in. You need that person to pass that legislation because again, we are going to need someone in office to pass any piece of legislation. That's just how it is, unfortunately. But other than that, um, that's to be the only reason why you should even care about electoral solutions. You know that that's the end goal to get whatever piece of legislation you need to get passed. Not because they can solve the issue, you, that you need that individual to force them to solve your issue. So again, you still need that pressure. You still need that street heat because again, every social movement, every piece of legislation that ever got passed started from the street first, then got into, then it got into electoral solutions. So you still need the street heat. You still need that person to actually do the job and force them to do that. So all I want to say to that is 
activism is your get out the vote ground game. We have let the politicians dictate what the conversation is. Right. We need to flip that. The tails right. wagging the dog. Right. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. I mean, again, I said this on a podcast the other day, like I said, there's no difference between AOC and Joe Crowley. And a lot of people disagree with that. And a lot of people, I was like, how dare you think that AOC is um, just as bad or just as worse or whatever. It's not the point that I'm making. Every politician have a job. They're not going to put you as a priority first. They're just not. Because if it did, we would have Medicare for all right now. You still need to pressure whoever is in office. If I have to pressure you, you're not an ally. This, I'm just That's how I feel. I'm sorry if people get upset. If I have to pressure you, you're not an ally. So in my mind, they're all the same. But again, like I said, their 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 whole goal, and my for me, is to pressure them to get what I want. I'm not looking to them and say I'm voting for them, and I know I feel comfortable that I'm going to do the job. That's not going to happen. I know I have to pressure that person, whoever it is, whether that is Bernie, whether that's Nina, whether that's AOC, whether that's Jamil Jayapal. I look at all of them. I have to pressure them and get them to do what I want. They're not the end. You know, they're just a hurdle that we have to cross. They're means. They're means. They're means, uh, my, they're means to an end. Absolutely. My take, my take on this is, well, let me put it this way. My electoral is activism. Because if the electorate knows what needs to happen, then when they go to those polls, of course they're going to pick the best candidate, right? right. So they are, they are not mutually exclusive in my mind, okay? But I am, I am of the place that I've got there right. at this point. But I will tell you this, I am most certainly going to lift up community activists in their ask or in their need right way more so that's how i'm going to spend my energy so that when they've got to go to the polls right in the last two weeks when people really start paying attention to who's running and why hopefully they're going to be like okay these are my issues where do these guys on this ballot land instead of going and saying, well, I don't know, really know who anybody was, so I just pulled the lever on the Democratic side or the Republican side or whatever. That's what's wrong in America, and we have to change that culture. That's that's my take. Right. What do you think it's going to take for the politicians in office, the electeds, to catch up with public opinion? Even when you add in Republicans, the right, the majority of folks still support Medicare for all. We have uh, midterm elections next year, and we have to get very, very busy around those, including and most specifically around the um, the primaries. And people need to find out in every town hall, do you or do you not stand for Medicare for All? If people go to CandidateSummit.com, I have endorsed some primary candidates who do stand as part of their platform for Medicare for All. And let's be very clear, the Democratic establishment is not supporting those candidates. So we, the people, have to support them, just as so many people are out supporting uh, Nina Turner today in Cleveland and Akron. We have to get, we can't, we shouldn't over, we shouldn't kid ourselves, and I don't think most people do. There's a limit to how much these rallies matter. They, do, they are important to go to because of the energy that it creates, but in terms of real electoral change, we have to get involved in these primaries. 
and the, um, the Democratic establishment feels, for the most part, that the centrist candidates, the corporatist Democrats, have a better chance of winning. I don't feel that way, especially when you see that 70% of the American people support Medicare for all and a tiny margin of even Republicans support Medicare for all. I think it's absurd to say that, that the more progressive candidates who stand for that would not win. What's really going on there is that those Democrat establishment moderate corporatist candidates feel that they would lose support with their own corporate donors. So we all have to get very busy with electoral politics right now. And when I say right now, it's because of these primaries. All right. So any response to what Marianne had to say, Lisa? I totally agree with her. And again, if you're an if you're tied into an activist community in your area, right? People are going to be talking about who's running. Right. I don't I don't know how you separate out activism from electoral. I don't confuse doing campaign push with I mean that is that is an electoral function, okay? But the but the people of the United States have looked at that as like the only thing that they can do. Find a candidate and push the candidate and then the candidate gets into office and what do they do? Pivot. Right? They even talk about it if you listen to some of the politicos, the real wonky folk, they'll be like, okay, well, they got in, so let's wait for the pivot. Like they anticipate it, right? They know that people are going to run on stuff and then they're not going to deliver. If you get your community going and you take a stand on, these are the things that we need to deal with because I've got a cracker plant going to open up. I've got a pipeline coming in. I've got fracking beds all over the place, blah, 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 right? And I get the community. And I'm talking community. I don't care if you've got a red or a blue practice jersey on. That got nothing to do with anything. We're talking about what are the community needs. If you get the communities going, then they're going to come out and they're going to vote. And they're going to call and they're going to pressure and they're going to question. And all of a sudden now, you're going to get the politicians going, holy crap, I've got one hell of a healthcare activist community in Allegheny County. Mm. And you're not going to want to ignore us. Because trust me, we're in a lot more places than just sitting here with you, Jen. Right? I mean, I've got my activist red beret hat on. You haven't even scratched the surfaces to the pots that I've got my hands in. That's what we do, right? And the more you get your hands in the pot, we get to stir it. And we need those politicians to not be able to ignore the people on the ground. That's how we build momentum. That's what the march did. Everybody that stood up to say, hey, I'll do a march. The people on the ground in a community that believe in Medicare for all. And I will bet you that every single one of those activists has got a litany of things that they've got their hands in just like I do. Right. Makes sense. How about you, Sharif? What do you think about what Marianne said? Oh, I'm going to have to disagree with Marianne, actually. I love Marianne Williamson. She did a fantastic job. I actually had a chance to talk to her for a little bit. But I feel that's part of the problem. I feel that too many people invest all their energy into electoral solutions. And 
nobody once they vote for someone they feel that's it i did my job already i voted i canvassed for this person i did phone banking what else do they need for me to do and so i and i mentioned this earlier that you kind of need both you need an inside and outside strategy um i personally feel it doesn't matter who's in office because you still have to pressure that person to do whatever it is you need them to do i mean i do understand the mechanism that is easier to pressure say someone like nita turner than it is someone like the person she ran against. So I'm totally, I totally agree with that. I would never say that um, it's harder. One candidate is easier than the other or one candidate is harder than the other. We'll never argue that because uh, that's, there's, there's proof of that. So it's easier to get someone else to get them to lean towards your position than someone else will. However, I look at it as if I still have to pressure you to do something, you're not an ally for me. And so it's going to be really hard for me to ever like, invest in electoral politics in the future because of so much of my community so much has been going on it's not still being properly represented and so i do agree that you do need both because again we need the street heat we need people out there in the street and be um, be pro, um, politically active but at the same time i still need to push any politician who gets into office to pass medicare for all no matter who it is and so they're not going to just willingly do it if any candidate in office that willing to do that. I was I was sitting home and spending time with my kids. Unfortunately, that's not ever gonna happen. So I have to push them. We gotta kill be active. But I do hear a point. Um I do hear a point. There is a difference between certain candidates and um we do need to um highlight those folks. But at the end of the day, once they get into office it gets a little different. It gets a little tricky. You know, it's a whole nother world once they get in office. Kind of has has stood out to me through uh after force the vote um, the, the push for force the vote, unfortunately, because I supported it, it didn't happen. But, um, also after the March, uh, for minute, well, leading up to the March for Medicare for all and after, um, there seems to be a lot of people online or, or maybe it's just some of, some of the most vocal who have the mindset of if, well, let's take Nina Turner. So, um, if they didn't did not show up for the march closest to them, then they don't support Medicare for all at all, um, at, which was misinformation in the case of Nina because she, uh, you know, on the same day as the march for Medicare for all, um, she spoke about Medicare for all as as did AOC. I mean, AOC is a whole right. different story. She's actually in office right. and is not doing anything, so her talking right. about it doesn't right. matter. But there were there was a lot of misinformation going around, like Nina doesn't support Medicare for all when she's literally running ads about it, um, and she didn't come to um, you know it was, it was the weekend right before her uh, election. So her election was on a Tuesday, which she lost, of course, for viewers who will recall that. Um, it was she only had two weekends left and then it was on the that that last tuesday um and there wasn't um there, the closest march was in columbus and it would have taken all of her campaign day basically um but people were and this isn't just about nina my question really boils down to what is your take on people becoming so attached to hashtags of force the vote and and i'm really condensing by saying hashtags but hashtags of force the vote and march for medicare for all um and not focusing so much on the policy of medicare for all so if you didn't come to the march you're canceled if you didn't support force the vote you're canceled and you're not a true medicare for all supporter yeah i just i disagree with that um 
um, my team and I, we reached out to Nina Turner um, months ago. So we knew months ago she was not going to be there. So for anyone who's saying that, you know, we didn't reach out to her and, you know, she's a bad favorite actor or anything like that. Um, she was very honest and very clear that she was running a campaign and she could not make it. And she, you know, she wished us well. And I knew that she was going to talk about Medicare for all the day. Of. I said, I told people that if she doesn't mention anything about Medicare for all, if she doesn't run on that, then that's telling. But mm-hmm. the fact that she kept her promise about she ran on it, she spoke about it. I don't think you can actually say that. So, again, it goes back to what I was saying to you earlier, that people need to start demigoying, you know, politicians. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah. just feel that you need to go out there and push them to do what you want them to do anyway. Um, so I don't think you should lean. It goes back to don't lean on these, don't lean on anybody. You know, go out there and be proactive. Um, but also, too, to get to your point, Jen, about if, you know, hashtag forced to vote, if you're not part of that, you're not a leftist, if you're not part of the marshmallow girl, you're not for health care. Um, it's ridiculous, in my opinion. Um, it's about the issues, about the policy. Um, the whole point of politics is to convince people that your position is better. So what you need to do out there is go out there and pressure people and ask them, you know, this is, um, you know, why don't you support this? You know, what, you know, what safety net do you have? You know, what, and what strategy should I be doing? You know, we should be out there in the community and talking to folks and getting them on our side, growing the movement so we can have more people in the street, again, street heat, so that when the times come, we need to pressure a politician and they look out their door, they have thousands of people outside their doorstep versus like having 20 people outside their doorstep. You have thousands of people out their doorstep. That politician is going to be like, oh, shit, I need to do something because it I want to get elected. I want to get elected again. Mm-hmm. So that's the energy should be there. The energy should be us coming together, us being united so we can push these people to do what we want. Cause again, I'm gonna keep saying that you got to push them. Stop mm-hmm. worrying about, you know, who's an act, who, um, you know, who's for us, who's against us. Again, once they get in office, you have to push them anyway. So mm-hmm. let's get to the point of pushing people to our position. And, I'll just say this because I, I look at things from a, I take a stand back, right? Mm. Nina Turner's campaign was a special election. And if you don't know this, special elections are notorious for abysmal turnout, unless yeah. it happens to line up with another election cycle, number one. Number two, we have an administration that has no desire to even bring a bill to the floor, let alone even if it passes, it's going to get vetoed, right? Imagine running as a Democrat in a district that no matter how you want to slice it, has traditionally gone more central in its patterns, right? What Nina did was not to not pay attention to the march. What she did was everything in her power under the circumstances as they were laid out to get herself that candidacy. And I will say this, not in defense of anything that was said about Nina, because I love Nina to death. I've got her button on my (laughs) head, right? And I've I met Nina in person at the People Summit in in Chicago several years ago. I mean, I believe in what Nina says, and I believe in the goodness of what she wants to do for the people. I don't question that. But I will tell you, I will 
once you have to get into office, it changes things. And I will also say this, we have to meet people where they are. And Nina's defeat, no matter whether or not we want to admit it, was a beatdown that the centrists wanted to hand us again. And I was in hospice, so I am really tied into grief and loss. The week, 10 days after all of that went down, let's even give it a week, let's get two weeks, right? Americans don't know how to grieve loss because we don't accept death. We hide it, it happens, right? right? We don't talk or rally around families whose loved ones are terminally ill and dying. So we can't even extrapolate out grief associated with a loss that doesn't have to deal with death. We don't allow ourselves to live that because our mental health care sucks. Yeah. Seriously, right? So I don't fault people for whatever it is that that invoked in them because Nina was another leader who they sank this time. She won't, she won't sink next time. If she would have been in a normal election where Mm. her, you know, us having to go to the polls for her and she's not in my district, let's just be very clear here. We're talking about a congressional (laughs) district and the rest of the country that we were all working in out for, you know, trying to get marches going and activists able to do what they had to do. That was going on all over the place, right? It had never been done before. And it just so happened that it landed right on top of the weekend before her election, right? Let's just be honest, guys. That's That was a bad, bad timing for everybody that was concerned about both issues. It really just was. But the grief that people felt and people lashing out, that's loss of another leader that we really wanted and needed to get in, in there. I think we need to give each other a little bit of room here. Right. Because that was another political assassination attempt. Mm-hmm. It also speaks That's to the fact that we don't have we don't have any. Um, you know, sometimes I wish the left was a little bit more Republican. Because you know how they always stick together. Mm-hmm. The left, we don't stick together mm-hmm. at all. It's true. Yeah. You know, we're, a house, we're a house divided. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still trying to work that out. Yeah. <laughs> we're working hard, to, though. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm still trying to figure out how can we connect these dots together. I think it's also, too, we're not used to doing that. Um, and not only that, we're not, used, we're not used to coming together. We're not used to that. We're also not used to... We're not also not used to the fact that your position on one issue doesn't mean that you also agree with that other person's other issue you don't agree with. Like, so for example, you know, this is uh, uh, this is like an obvious example. Let's say I'm for Medicare for all, but let's say I'm pro-gun, right? So people on the left feel like I can't work with Sharif, for example, because he believes in guns, but he also believes for Medicare for all. I can't work with him because he believes in pro-gun because that goes against my other belief. Like they will never fight for me. If I'm a true advocate, I'm all about Medicare for all. I will fight, you know, tooth and nail to make sure you get it. But because I also believe in gun rights, they will never work with me. 
because the idea is that I'm tainted, you know, mm-hmm. and I can't navigate around you because, you know, your other policy or your other, you know, criteria doesn't work for my criteria. And so we're very, on the left, we're very hive minded. We need to be all inclusive or nothing. And I would like one day for us not to be that way. I like for us to fight for like one issue. We all agree on this one issue. Let's push for this one issue. And I think, cause we're not used to that. We're not used to having this very, this, we're going to fight together no matter what our other beliefs are. Let's just fight for this one issue. Cause we're not used to, we're not used to having unity here. We're very house divided. Just so far I'm learning, speaking to other activists, speaking to other organizers, just asking them questions about why is it so hard to get another group who also fundamentally agree with us to work on this one issue together. And I'm, I'm hearing all the different ideas. I'm hearing all the different opinions. And I'm, I'm starting to really realize that it is because we're just, we're just not used to it. It's just not something that is ingrained in our culture on the left and that we need to restructure how we do things. We have to learn that today we're, today we're allies and maybe tomorrow we're not. And that's okay. How does MMT... Uh, first, if, if whoever takes this question first, explain what that is, um, if you can, to, to the viewers. And um, how does it relate to Medicare for All? How could it help How could it help make it possible? Which is something that AOC, whatever people think of her, she has pointed um, publicly to MMT as a way to make Medicare for All happen. This was back in 2019. So, you know. Uh, so go ahead, whoever wants to take the question. Yeah. So again, and we said this earlier, modern monetary theory is what MMT stands for, okay? But even the MMT community will tell you that we are a fiat currency. We spend money, okay? Can you explain what that is, fiat currency, for for me and others? (laughs) So, okay, so you can have a sovereign that is on the gold standard. And if you are on the gold standard, which the US was at one point in time many years ago, all of your dollars were backed up by gold, okay? Which means basically that you can't spend a dollar if there isn't gold in the in the in Fort Knox to back up that dollar, right? But that's not sustainable. Um, once you hit an economy that is, you know, expanding exponentially, your, your population is expanding. You have the industrial revolution that we went through, and then you had all of the, um, technology expansion. And then we had the service economy and all of the corporations that have come into play. Right. So at, at one point in our timeline, we converted to what we call a genuine fiat currency, which means that the dollar is worth what the federal government says it's worth. So in other words, $100, that piece of paper does not have gold in Fort Knox to cover the value of that dollar. That dollar has that value because the the government, the federal government says that that is what that currency is worth, okay? So that's fiat. What that means is if the government decides that they're going to fund a federal program, okay, say it's Medicare for all, then they 
incorporate that into the fiscal budgetary process. We have decided that as a federal government, we're going to fund this. And then they do a transaction that is all keystroke. Okay. Nobody goes to the printing press and cranks up the money for it. They do a credit to the, the program itself. And then they initiate legislation that allows that program to happen. Okay. So it's a appropriation of money to cover of, let's say it's an appropriation of funding to cover the program that you put into place. All right. Every government program that is enacted under a funding, uh, you know, because there are some programs that are not only using uh, a currency issue, they might have other sources of funding, especially from a state program. The federal government would say, we're going to appropriate this much. And then to supplement this, you are to use these funds coming from X, Y, and Z. But every program that the government, the federal government initiates, they will transact dollars to fund that program. And then they will set up a tax liability associated with it. Because if you have too much money out in uh, the economy, right? You're going to end up having inflation. Inflation comes around when you don't have enough demand for the money that's out there. So what happens then? People have too much money. Interest rates go up. Now, interest rates go up for other reasons too. Okay. It's, but one factor is that there's too much money out in the general pop, general population, and that will cause inflation. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you can't just do whatever you want. It's one of the reasons why they are supposed to come up with a budget, an agreed upon set of programs that people want and need. Now, people, us, the general population that needs basic human rights and a safety net to make sure that people are covered and aren't starving and aren't homeless, right? It's a choice as to what we decide to fund. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm fascinated by that. I think, you know, when a lot of leftists, including myself, when, when it's said, how, how are you going to pay for it? Um, well, we always point to, well, look at the military, look at, look at how much we give to the Pentagon, et cetera. But when you put it in context of the, of, of MMT, it's even more, impactful and powerful like clearly we could <laughs> so yeah I, I really appreciate that um that explanation for sure um not to totally switch topics but i do want to emphasize and i, I saw this in, in the chat too talking about well something can't just be one day but that's the point it's not just one day it wasn't just one day of, of marches so if you guys can talk about um and colin if you can put on the screen um at the same time the the petition and the demands um if you guys can talk about the the petition that you had set up and the demands and then get into the un piece yeah so um the petition we have three lists of demands the first one is if you um, scroll down there is to number one is to pass 
and improve and expand it on um, Medicare for all immediately. And all the members of our team and our coalition, we all um, send each other emails, phone calls, text messages, what should be in it, what should be in there, what should be included. So we literally put down zero copay, zero deduction. We have a laundry list of different things. The the second thing we put in there is that we want um, our federal government to recognize healthcare as a human right, um, which I think is pretty simple. Um, and the third is prioritize healthcare in the federal budget. So we have your, we have the federal government have their spending. We want healthcare to be number one. Number one thing they focus on would be that. And we also wrote down all the language that we want that are there. So it's not including it's including, you know, making sure you have enough hospitals, making sure we can perform doctors, make sure people can go to school to actually become a doctor and be a nurse. All that really includes that. You know, so um, Lisa talked about the infrastructure. We know we don't have the infrastructure. We know that it's not going to take tomorrow and we're going to have enough doctors or have enough hospitals. We understand that. You know, it's going to take time. But again, as she said, if we can't get it on the House floor, it's going to take even longer to get there. So again, we're not saying that we're not asking for, you know, a magic wand here. We're just asking to at least pass it. And then we can talk about the nuance of where do we go from there? You know, how many hospitals do we need? How many doctors do we need? You know, we can break that down and we can have a discussion about that, but we still need it to pass first before we even, even begin to even have a discussion. We can't even have that discussion. We can't even get a vote for it. So it doesn't really make any sense either way. Um, so they, we didn't hear a response back. So now we're going to take our demands to the UN and let them know that this um, healthcare is a human right. The United States government does not recognize this. I do have some ideas about how to move forward after our complaint is filed, we are we do we're going to talk about more um, demonstrations and some um, further actions to help amplify not only this action but also put noise on the fact that the United States government refuses to recognize healthcare as human right. So I do want to reach out to folks internationally and let them know that you know this is a problem here in this country. You know. And so I think that having more allies, not just here, but also foreign as well, would be really important for the movement. Yeah, the NHS is under attack, you guys. They're trying to privatize it just like they did here. And what they're doing right now is starving it so that they can fire sale it off. And if you have any any understanding of what kind of pressure we could get if we teamed up with everybody over there that's yep. terrified of losing their NHS safety net, yep. push them. Go, you know, on Twitter, there's at NHS, a bunch Just of stuff's gonna come up. A lot we, of need times, we need synergy. Yeah, we do. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times on the Red Berets, we'll, uh, we'll peek over and see, because we have some people that we follow and that have been following us. Um, sometimes I'll just do, uh, save hashtag save the nhs hashtag uh medicare for all like you know you know that's that's just a good thing because we, we want to show solid go ahead i'm sorry no no no, no we no. do want to show solidarity but yeah. they the, some of the folks from uh the uh nhs uh i don't know i want to call i'll just say the cheerleading squad over there because they they support the nhs on an organized level they right. were pushing the march for us yes. they wanted right. to help yes. us you know right. And that's what works, you guys. Right. It's not just your people in your community. It's 
People yeah. over in Europe have this. They watch us talk about how ridiculous it is to right. walk into an emergency room and be turned away because you don't have insurance, even though that's illegal. It still happens, right? right? I want to read a quote by Stephanie Kelton. And she says, how will we pay for it is the wrong question. We should be asking, are these things worth doing? And do we have the real, do we have the real resources, the people, the raw materials, the equipment, the technology to do them? Will they make society better off? That's obviously from the deficit myth. Um, it is really important to continue to talk and continue to educate about how will this be funded. Um, what's missing when we break apart this, um, when we look at it only through an economic lens as opposed to a movement building lens, uh, th th this is entirely the problem. When we have something local and exciting, in addition to national stuff that we're working on, we can tell somebody in our community that we just met and just resonated with, and suddenly this person is gonna come by and get a red beret and go and do a live stream and tell her friends and family, hey, there's some, you know, a documentarian and some activists that have come in from across the country to show solidarity. Uh, come on down, Let's. this is Healthcare for Hilltop. Uh, and she was telling me all about how what what she's like, this is going to be there's going to be a lot of people. There always is every single year. They come out for Hilltop. So um, on one hand, listening to all that, it was it's heartbreaking because it's like we don't have the you know, we're not doing the initiative. But at the same time, you know, what we're going to do instead is we are going to talk about whole Washington. Yes, but we're going to actually like let Sharif take the lead and we're going to talk all about the UN initiative. We're gonna tell people we're fighting locally for you. Here's how you can get involved locally. And here is what the National March for Medicare for All is doing. Uh, please get your friends and family members to sign this UN petition. And this is the power of, of local organizing because that's that, that energy and spark that is, uh, that's involved in something that we're doing right now. And yes, we're demanding Medicare for All right now, but something that we're actually working on that we could that we could pass, um, or we have a little bit more, uh, say, control. We, yeah, we can take direct actions in our own community. We can get out and talk to people. We have a lot more control uh, and, and power that we can exercise just talking with uh, friends and new people than we've met, than I can go and try to affect um, Nancy Pelosi or even some of our progressives, AOC. I'm not saying we shouldn't continue to try to pressure them because I'm, I'm a kind of fight on all fronts. You know, that's what I think that we need to do. And the next last piece that I'll say is uh, back to like electoralism, which, you know, some people again are like, well, I'm not I'm not doing that, or at least I'm not going to invest much or all of my energy in that. And that's completely valid. We're definitely at ballot initiative, general strike, um, direct action time. Right. I'm again, I'm somebody who's like, if I've got a great candidate like Jason Call, who's out organizing. Uh, with, who, us. Who's with us, he's walking the walk, then I will, I do very, very much support his campaign. Uh, and Rebecca Parson, obviously, shout out because she's here in my district. But the point for the state level stuff is, we now have Chair Annette Cleveland, who refused and blocked uh, us from even receiving a public hearing on our bill, even though it had seven Senate co-sponsors, double what it had in the previous iteration. And why? She's 
it the the balance is there's six Democrats and five Republicans, um, and the chair is a Democrat, and that's Annette Cleveland. Well, collectively, and Jason Call did this legwork for us. Uh, they've collected more than a million dollars from insurance and pharmaceutical lobby. That that healthcare board, the the Senate, uh, not the Senate, yeah, the the Senate Healthcare Committee, the state Senate. Yes, the state Senate Healthcare Committee. So what that does is, like, now that we're not doing the ballot initiative, and Kenny's like, I mean, he, maybe he'll go to this UN action. You know, he's going to be kind of seeing. What, what, what are we doing now? What, how is, what's this going to shift? Um, but one of the things that we're definitely going to do is be protesting. It, it, te- it, it, you can interact or you can inter, ignite. you can ignite uh, this movement where people really wake up and they, and you tell them, did you know we have a chance to pass uh, a single payer at the state level? And do you know why we're not even, we couldn't even get a hearing? People don't even know yeah, that. They they're don't not, know They're that. like, what's a state right. Senate health care committee? I didn't even know we had that. Oh, you mean they, like, why won't they do it? And you just get to talking well, they take money from big pharma. And, and then this also, like, it can ignite the community. We hope that one of our local volunteers and activists will rise up and challenge Chair Annette Cleveland. She, I'm, see, I'm still very much for if we can get somebody to step up and challenge these people on every level. Um, with enough community with enough community around them. Aware of what's going on. Again, if sure. it's centered around an issue, then that's, you know. Activism. Yep. Exactly. So um, we, we educate. Blocks. We educate. You go to a march, people are like, oh, what do you what, what's this about? Mm-hmm. You've got that opportunity to talk to so many people. Well, the goal the goal is is to build solidarity. So the um the March for Medicare for All we're like a, we're we're for national approved Medicare for All. That doesn't mean that we don't show solidarity for um different groups or different organizers who are pushing state led issues. You know, we are we are we are working towards how do what does solidarity mean um, on the left? A lot of times there's so much division here as we were mentioned before. So the goal is here is to um, come to this event, have a table and talk about the march, talk about next actions. Um, also talk, um, I'm gonna have a speech as well. I'm, uh, I wrote a speech that I'm, gonna pres- um, that I'm actually gonna say at the actual event as well. Uh, the also the goal is anything that else that is healthcare related, we're gonna start a newsletter. So I wanna plug in and talk to folks. How can I, you know, get your contact information so we can actually share it out to our resources and we can share it out to our members and let people know what you're doing in the healthcare sphere. Mm-hmm. So the idea is to build a community and to build relationships with folks and actually get them to understand that, you know, just because you're in Hillsborough or just because you're in Tacoma doesn't mean that what you're doing isn't important to everyone else here in the country. So that's really the focus. The focus is is to help continue to build solidarity and to let people know about the petition. And if anyone has other actions, you know, let us know about that. You know, we want, I want to, I want the energy to be about how do we get people on the street? You know, street heat is really important. How do we push our politicians? How do we get people out there to actually demand Medicare for all? We need to grow this movement bigger than what it is. We, we tend to sometimes feel on the left that we're bigger than what we really are. We're really small. We're not as big as I think we are. I really think that in order to us to, we need like, in my mind, we need like 12 million people behind us for us to have, to get Medicare for all. We really need that kind of number. Uh, we need so many people loud and vocal. And until we have that, I can't imagine us getting it. Um, 
we really need that. And so that's what me being here is all about is just getting getting more allies. You know, I'm really here to actually have people in our more people in our coalition. So I, that's my agenda.